welcome to Stat. I'm telling you all medical true crime stories, and it gets bizarre. Karen Wickham, yeah, she used to work in ER, and now she's sharing the knowledge. So let's get involved. Hey, funny and scary at the same time. Medical mysteries, all facts. She ain't lying. <laughs> so tune in to Stat if you dare, 'cause crazy things can happen anytime, anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Stat, shocking dramas and treatments. And we are your hosts, Karen and Erica, coming from the beautiful GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. So let's get in today, into today's episode. This is part three of the Michael Swango miniseries. Moving forward involves him being a paramedic. I'm really curious to see. Uh, I really want you to jump in and tell me what you think about, about some of this stuff Absolutely, here. yeah. So let's get into it. Um, I last left off with Swango getting away with murder, literally. I'm not yeah. trying to, to be funny here. No. And he was about to move on to a pediatric rotation, which, thank God, he didn't actually. Yeah, that would have been. Didn't happen. Because you'll find out pretty soon that what his opinion of children are. And so even though he was exonerated, his behavior was still in question. Um, in late February 1984, the Resident Review Committee at Ohio State was contemplating uh, Swingle's position in the neurosurgery program. So even up to this point, they were still contemplating that he could letting know, him go, in. go into it. Yeah. Right? So Dr. Carol Miller, who I talked about in the last episode, uh, was a doctor that was supervising Swingle's internship. And she was never told about what happened on the ninth floor. In regards to the deaths, suspected in his inspected involvement, and the subsequent investigation. So she's in charge of it. She had no idea. There was five deaths on the ninth floor. And five deaths. That's insane. How do you not? And these deaths were, um, uh, I believe the one was that she was a cheerleader. She was an, a teen, healthy, going into it. No reason why she should have gone into respiratory distress and no. died the way she did. Yeah. Another was a guy in his 20s. And so no one should have died. This is not a surgery for where you go and you're having uh, major, major surgery. A lot right. of this was orthopedic stuff. So, I mean, and if there were deaths, there were more deaths in the time that he was there than there had been, I think they said, in the, in the prior year or two years, in that short period of time he was there. And all in, in like near misses, right. you know, there was people that were just found going blue. Um, you know, that and this was all due to poisoning. Yeah, that was him. So she knew nothing about this. Like crazy. It's, How, like, but they are able to encapsulate so much stuff because things are kept. Let's keep it in this department, in this area. Right. Let's not move it on. Let's let's uh, protect each other. Let's you know whatever. It's it's just it's it's ridiculous. So, Doctor Miller wrote a letter to Doctor Hunt about her conclusions about his neurosurgery residency, and she wrote, "Quote." He didn't demonstrate the qualities required of a neurosurgeon, end of quote. Okay, pretty straightforward. Yeah. This is why. She said that he failed to inspire confidence in patients and other staff members. The committee now had two negative reviews on him. So the committee voted to end his residency at the end of June. Um, He would no longer be able to complete his internship and continue on um, with any of the university-associated hospitals. So finally, Swango was being held accountable for something. And thank goodness he didn't continue on to the pediatrics rotation. Yeah, thank God. I can't, uh, I don't even want to think about that. No. Um, But that didn't stop him from getting three doctors from the university, from the medical faculty, to submit recommendations for him to get a permanent license to practice medicine. Yeah, that's insane. Three recommendations. 
It's a lot. So Dr. Carey, the head of neurosurgery, wrote this, though, that his performance was substandard and that he had difficulty relating to personnel and he didn't relate well with nurses. So even though he wrote these things, he only touched on his personality traits and not his investigation into the deaths and injuries to patients. Which he he blame, blame the nurses. Yeah. So let's talk about shitty a shitty personality. And everybody goes, yeah, and doctors don't have great bedside manner. So is that, oh, okay. That's just something that's just like blown off. But he probably killed people and was caught doing it. But we don't really need to touch about this. No, we don't need, no. I'm that's just going to say important. watch out. He's, yeah. he's a little testy. In September 1984, Swango was granted a license to practice medicine in Ohio. He could have been stopped. Right there, he could have been stopped. And why wasn't he? Or like, slowed down, or maybe if more was put on his record, then he couldn't have, conter- you know, it might have led to a series of events that stopped him. This guy is persistent, but still. And how often is this going to happen in the future? Well, we'll see. So to sum this up, after he was accused of and witnessed doing everything that he was. He was exonerated of all allegations. He was fired from the neurosurgery residency, but got recommendations to practice medicine. Although some doctors reported him to be arrogant and callous. Who cares? And they only spoke about his attitude, not his performance. And not one doctor had the courage to pull the trigger to try to end his medical career. Why? Boys club. Dr. Boys club. If I'm going to get in trouble for saying boys club, I can't think of a better. No, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. It's, I, it's, I know for lack of better words, it's, it's a club. Not all doctors are like this, but it's one of these, like, you know, it's almost. It's like you hear, you know, um, somebody, some, something happened, a malpractice happened at the hospital. We're going to sue the hospital. Well, doctor, you know what you hear? That's going to be really hard. Doctors stick together. Well, that that's the whole thing. I mean, and it's not just in medicine. It's, you know, any level of, a, of different companies and, and different organizations that happened so it's like posties stick together yeah there you go <laughs> the thing is though and i'm not kidding you like nurses aren't like that no they're not and i and to like, be if honest you mess up <clears throat> you admit I, it. i'm another nurse first yeah. of all they'll be like you'll get called on it and i'm not saying like you'll be like hey asshole see what you did it'll be like ah i don't know if i if that's maybe the right way to do that or i th- so Nurses are, I find, more willing to teach, to find an opportunity to say, hey, I don't know if you did this right here. Let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do to, to fix this. Let's bring it to the doctor. A different way to do it. So yeah, that's the same thing as paramedics. And stopping yeah. it from, from happening again. Um, there are, of course, there will be some that will like go behind your back, not talk to you. Like if I made a mistake. Can you believe this asshole, Karen? Yeah. Like yeah. I'd rather you say, Karen, I noticed an error in this. Talk to me. And then I'll, I'll write, I'll write a report on my own, right? And then follow up, and then try to find a way to how whatever. And I find it's more like that. It's not about like well, you're constantly let's cover these other classes because it's that's no. not about it because we really give a shit about the patients. Well, you're constant. You should be constantly learning. There shouldn't be a point where you're like, you know what? I I know all I need to know, and that's it. I don't need to listen to anybody else's shit. Yeah, because that's not the way it works. And the same thing in paramedicine. It's you know you're always you're constantly learning. You know, it's, uh, you have two, let's say you have two separate car accidents. They're not going to be alike. Yeah. You know, so you got to, 
approach things differently and and what what might have worked on that one might not work right, on this exactly. one and maybe you'll be in, would be inclined to do it that way exactly and someone who's had more experience can say you know what this is why we wouldn't yeah got to be open to it absolutely you're just make, we're making each other better to be better at caring for people yes anyway um th- well, there's a lot less ego involved right <laughs> you know a lot less so with a medical license in hand swango moved back to quincy his intentions were to get a license in illinois and work as a paramedic until he could continue on with his residency at a hospital there. He was rehired by Adams County Medical Corps. That's where he worked while he was going to university in Quincy. Even with all the complaints? Even with all the complaints, he got rehired. Yeah. Yeah. And he had gotten a girlfriend. Now, this guy would go through chicks like, he didn't care. No. I think, I don't know if it was like, try to look normal, or he just didn't care. um, You're good for me for now, and then move on. But this girlfriend, Rita Dumas, was someone that he'd actually worked at at the hospital with. And, um, and like, uh, you know, you'll hear more about her in the future. So he would work a zillion hours at the, for, uh, you know, the, for as the a paramedic company. Yeah, yeah. As a paramedic. And then he would drive eight hours to see her and then go back to work. Like yeah, he just crazy. had crazy amounts of energy. Just yeah. Gotta go, 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 go all the time. Between, like, working he barely slept this guy would would go on two three hours of sleep a night and that's it Uh, he rented an apartment in quincy instead of moving back with his mother and the adams county ambulance corps was stationed at blessing hospital with their staff room being right next to the er which makes you know yeah it makes sense and the paramedics were really close uh they spent a lot of time together and because they share the same experiences and i know that you can speak on that absolutely yeah in fact why don't you tell me what it what it like a the what's the word i'm looking for the the culture of uh and the friendships within uh, i think it becomes like you you spend almost more time with these people than you do at home so i especially your partner you know um if you're with the same partner all the time you become very close with that partner and you know they know you know all about your life oh hey how's so and so and you know what'd you do today oh How's this person that like, you know, they, they kind of, they're in with your group of friends, but in, in a, such a different way, well, you know, like these exper- the things you, you share together. Oh, you see, you see night, sometimes you see nightmares together and yeah. that's experiencing that, you know, with somebody, how could you not have some sort of special connection with that person? It's, you it, know, you, you, you try and, you know, nurse each other's psyches after after a shitty call and and i mean you guys are you have lines right like you might have uh different crews and you might all work right days together or evenings or nights yeah, right yeah so you would all share the same station yeah it's uh it's it's pretty funny yeah you know sitting in um like sitting at the station and uh you know you just you're chit-chatting and stuff and, and it's you're not as I don't want to say you're not as close because you become friends with these people. You hang out with them outside of work and all that kind of stuff and junk. But um, your partner, I think, is is who you're closest to for oh, sure yeah. because you're spending so much time with them. Um, they know all about you and you learn how these people work. And that's <clears throat> this is one thing about Swango. You know, uh, was he close with any of these people? Did he become? Did he make any friendships? And how weren't these? people who were his friends that he worked so closely with, especially at a residency, 
how didn't they see it? Because it's like something is, is off. Let's say like, I would know if I went to work, um, with one partner I worked with a lot, I would know if she was off, not with her saying, I'm not having a good day, but with just her, the way she was acting, her mannerisms, everything yeah. like that. And I would say, Hey, what's going on? So how did, how didn't anybody see, did he put on such a great front? Well, that this is what I, why it was so important, um, to get your, your insight on what it's like to be a paramedic and your partner, how important they are. Like, he, what would it be like, Erica, if you didn't like your partner? It'd be hell. Honestly, it, you, I mean, there, there's times when you do have to work with people that, you know, your partner's booked off sick and yeah. you're stuck with a stranger and you, you got to try, you try and get along with them as much as you can. But imagine it, if you're with somebody that you didn't like or didn't trust. Like you and I together. Okay. Well, we can't keep bringing this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm just not joking. for I'm general sorry. consumption. You're right. I'm sorry. My bad. Um, no, but it's, uh, imagine if you and I worked together, that would be, it'd be, we'd be fired. <laughs> It would be a shit show. We'd be the best paramedics like, oh, that ever would, existed. But yeah, we our ambulance would be decorated with something. I'm not sure what. <laughs> De- extra decals, bumper stickers. If you're going to ride my ass, at least pull my hair. <laughs> okay, this is what we're trying to avoid. Okay, we're not. This is, okay, that was our little fun That's break. why yeah. we get fired. Okay, let's get right. back to this. So yeah, I'm so, saying. Okay, well. <clears throat> let, okay, I'm you gonna, become close with these people. Like yeah. this is the thing. This, so so how, you're going to hear. I'm going to read some stuff to you now and you're going to, I want I can't wait to hear what you have Give to it say. To so the paramedics thought he was strange and bizarre. And what I was going to ask you is that it, it would take a lot for a yeah. person to appear strange and bizarre uh, yeah. in a environment where you see. You're strange and bizarre. That's yeah. How could you put up with, you know, seeing what you see, not being a little strange and bizarre? Exactly. And just some of the gallows humor. Yeah. Like, what we will laugh at people are like, what is wrong with you? But there's a difference between what this guy does and what we do. Yeah. Because no matter what we say, even the most hardened, uh, you know, uh, lifer that's been doing this still has that heart. Inside. Of course. Yeah. Maybe some people don't. But. Well, when you lose it, you usually, you generally change careers. Yeah. You because, have to. Yeah. I would think. Okay, so all but one of the paramedics um, had worked with Swangle before, and his name was Mark Cheskovsky. I'm going to call him... Mark C. I'm going to call him K. Okay. Paramedic K. Paramedic K. Yeah. Um, just to save you guys all, like, my... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so... Um, so, you, as you know, at this point, he is a doctor, a medical doctor. Yeah. So, um, Paramedic K had no idea why a doctor was working as a paramedic. Right. So when he found out that Swingo was coming back to work, he informed his co-workers, sorry, no one knew about him except for paramedic K here. Right. And, and he didn't know like, why is he back if he's a doctor? And so he told everybody that he is a really interesting dude. He's unusual and creepy. And one of the things he noticed about Swango is that he was even more bizarre than he was before. He was really fidgety. He couldn't sit still. He kept saying that he wanted a call to come in as soon as possible. So he was like, I want to call. I want to call. I want to yeah. call. He just wanted to get out. Um, and he seemed to be living call to call. And he was always chomping at the bit. Like he was just, Arr, just to get out. Um, he always would say he wished something would happen. Like he wanted a disaster to happen and he couldn't wait to go to it. Um, and he always volunteered for extra shifts. When he was off duty, okay. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. When he was off duty, he would monitor ambulance calls with a shortwave radio. 
And then he would show up at the scenes of the emergency sometimes before the ambulances even got there. Oh, my God. So what would you think if one of your crew that you worked with? Psychopath. Honestly. And was like listening to the calls and then showed up while you were there. You know, like, sorry. What up, psycho? It's like, uh, this is your day off. Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. In plain clothes in your own car, sometimes before the ambulance. Yeah. So this is the start of it, Erica. Oh, God. He revealed to his colleagues his fantasies of violence, especially to his uh, partner, Kay. Swango always seemed extremely excited when they went to a really bad car accident and discovered a fatality. He just would be... And and what this uh, paramedic wrote was that there was almost like an undertone of like a sexual arousal to it. The, The way he would get excited and talk and how, you know, just... You know when someone's kind of creepy that way, when they're like kind of turned off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, And after a really bad call, he would say excitedly, wasn't that great? Like, you know. Somebody just died. Yeah, that that was a bad one. Wasn't that great? Um, When uh, Swango would miss a call. Okay, so when Swango missed a call that Kay was on, he would call him up and say, what did it look like? What did you see? So if Kay was on when Swango wasn't. right. He would call him up and say, tell me all about that call you were on. See, and then again, you you look at this. Why wasn't that reported? Like, yeah, yeah. you know. Okay, so Swango continued to work on his scrapbooks while at the station. Oh, good. His mom must be so proud. He never stopped scrapbooking. And he would sit with these big-ass scrapbooks, scouring the newspaper for gruesome articles and pictures of accidents and violence. And he would cut the articles out and glue them into the scrapbook. When he was asked by his coworkers why he did it, he said that when he was arrested one day for killing people, the scrapbooks would prove that he was insane. So that was his answer. So when I'm arrested one day for killing people, this will prove that I'm crazy. So it was already there. So you see, the, and this is what I'm saying, these little underlying, not, this was not little, but <laughs> how was this not reported? Well, Again, you know, oh, he's a quirky, weird guy, you know. He's a quirky, weird guy who just said when he killed, when, not if. Yeah, when he gets busted busted for killing somebody. This will be his, uh, cool. uh, what do you call it, uh, not excuse. I was crazy. His His proof. Yeah, his proof. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there was a, there was a terrible mass murder that took place during that time at McDonald's. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it was a a shooting where a man went in with uh, like machine guns and stuff and he shot up at McDonald's. Right. He was uh, a terrible racist human being. This was a a big case that took back in in 84. And so this was all over the news. So when he was in the station, he would have the TV full up like it was on CNN or whatever. Right. He would have the TV at full blast and sit right in front of it and like glued to the TV and excited watching play by play over and over again about this mass shooting. And his coworkers were like, turn it off. Yeah. Like, it's- and turn it down. And he's like, no, I'm not turning this off. And he would say over and over again, that was just great. I love it. I wish I could have been there. This is the things that he was saying when he was watching it, you know, hopping back and forth on his feet and keeping his eyes glued to it. And he would talk nonstop about it. Um, one of his coworkers by the name of Lonnie Long said, every time I get a good idea, someone beats me to it. Again, how, like, I don't even know. This is, it's, it pisses you off because you're yeah. like, how did 
how wasn't this reported? Would you is, have gone to a supervisor? You're at fucking this point? right. Hey, listen, this dude's batshit crazy. These are the things that he said. These are the people that have heard them. I don't give a shit if they're going to come tell you because I'm telling you right now. They're going to tell you because I will. You want to see batshit crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. So here, <clears throat> let's take it even further. Oh, God. He sexually harassed one of the only female paramedics there saying, telling her all about his dark fantasies about the things that he would want to do with her. I'll get you in a dark room and I'll do this to you and do that to you. And he'd go into graphic detail about how he would like sexually abuse her. And was that reported? No. Again, her being one of the few females in the 80s at a, as a paramedic, she's like, probably, I, I, well, what's she's gonna, in a boys club. Let's be yeah, honest. What, yeah. what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Nothing's going to happen here. Though some of the other paramedics were like, you know, back off. Yeah. And he once told his partner, Kay, as I said, uh, the best thing about being a doctor. Oh, okay. You're going to love this. Oh, God. He once, I'm going to repeat this. Okay. He once told his partner, Kay, quote, the best thing about being a doctor was to come out of the emergency room with a heart on to tell some parents that their kid just died from a head trauma, end of quote. This is what he told us, his partner. So this, so Kay, his so, partner Kay, yeah. he's pissing me off now, to be honest, yeah. because he's heard all these things. Your partner from, says, I get an erection. To tell a family that their child just died. Yeah. What, why aren't you going to somebody? Exactly. So he said that he just said to uh, him, well, you're weird. He said to Swango, yeah, you're, you're weird. weird. Your face, you're speechless. He told another paramedic that he would like to take a gun and start blowing people away. Okay. Wait, nope. The worst of them all is when he described to the people that he worked with, paramedics that he worked with, okay. his ultimate call. The ultimate emergency that he would go to. Okay. And this is here, this is how it went. Swango would attend an accident in which a busload of children had been hit head on by a tractor trailer filled with gasoline. He then sees another bus run into the gas filled truck, causing a massive explosion. The force of the explosion would throw the children's bodies onto nearby barbed wire fences and into telephone poles. And he would see them hurled into them and also onto the streets burning. And he would go into greater detail about that. So this gives you a bit of an idea about how he felt about children. So thank, I'm going to say it, thank the fuck that he did not have that pediatrics rotation. So he told. So who did he tell this to, Kay? Kay and other people that he worked with. So he said, hey, this is my alt, but he didn't just keep it to Kay. He was like, guys, you know what my ultimate call would be? What I just said. Yeah, I... I can't. I don't even know what to say right now. If you rub your face anymore with disgust, I, know. I think it's you're going to be like, fucking, I'm going to start, gonna, my skin's going to start to come off. Yeah. So this is, I'm telling you, so these are, this is when I cover these cases and read about them and research them that I lose my shit. I have to walk away or my, my wife is just, has to listen to me go on my little rants, but uh, I'm so glad I have you to share. Yeah. This what a disgusting son of a bitch. I and mean, this is why I'm telling it because I'm setting up the whole thing of no one said anything he's already mind you remember he's already he killed, killed a five bunch of people, people yeah and injured how many others yeah and gotten away with it he's also gotten his medical license and now he's trying to get another one while he's working as, as a paramedic as a paramedic doing and saying all this shit 
My God. <laughs> yeah. Also, he would talk about at work. It was his love for Henry Lee Lucas. Okay. There's actually a documentary about him on uh, Netflix right now. I'm always like going Netflix, giving them the thumbs up. Yeah. Your ne- shows. Hey, thumbs up. But uh, Henry Lee Lucas was one of America's worst serial killers. Yeah. Um, and what he would do was, well, this is, this is, if you know anything about him, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're, you're probably up on, on your true crime. But this is what he said to one of his coworkers. Wouldn't it be great just to travel around the country killing people? Just moving on, killing some more, a great lifestyle, end of quote. So that's, that was another one, you know, talking about how he loved Henry Lee Lucas and he would love just to travel around the country and kill people. On the morning of September 1985, Swingo brought a box of donuts into the team. Uh, no, it's sort of, I'm flipping here a bit, but the thing is... No, yeah, it's... He never brought in anything. No. He once... This his partner Kay said that he once brought in a like this big delicious chocolate pie that his mom made, and and everybody's waiting like for him to offer. No, he sat in front of the TV and ate the whole thing by himself. So this guy's not a generous guy. No. He doesn't think of other people, right? So he brought in a big box of donuts, um, and surprised everybody because they're like, this is not like him. But anyway, they're like, whatever. And uh, there were four of them there, and so his partner and three other paramedics ate the donuts, and Swango didn't eat any. And within a half an hour, one of the paramedics began to feel nauseated and it was vo- vo- like violently vomiting. Within 15 minutes later, all four of them were violently ill. And joking around, one of the paramedics said, uh, what did you do, Mike? Poison us? And Swango got all serious and he's like, you know, I wouldn't do anything like that. Swango then took the donuts away. So they didn't eat them all. So he brought them. They got sick. He removed the donuts. All four paramedics ended up in the ER and were diagnosed with food poisoning. Swango spoke to Kay when he came back, seemingly genuinely interested in how he was feeling. He went on and he called all the other paramedics at home and asked them in great detail what they were feeling and what their symptoms were. Now, how didn't anybody suspect him? I don't understand. So, Erica, I'm your partner. We're working. Yeah. You get sick. Yeah. Three other people I'm working with get sick. Yeah. You're my partner, so I might like text you, give you a call, say, hey, how you doing? right? I'm feeling okay. How are you doing? Are you nauseated? <clears throat> do you have diarrhea? Do you have stomach cramps? Do you have a headache? Like, I'm not even really caring about really how you feel. I just want to know what your symptoms are. Yeah, which is fucked up. And now I'm going to call three other of you, sick as dogs at home, and ask you what your symptoms are. Yeah. It with, with At the very same time, showing no empathy towards how they're feeling. It's more about what are your symptoms? How are you so, feeling? What's going on? So did they come together after this and say, just you wait? Oh, dun, dun, dun. okay. So um, a day or two later, Swango and one of the paramedics, his name is, um, uh, his last name is Unmidsig. He was still feeling really sick, but he came back to work anyway. And they were assigned to go um, be standby at a football game. I mean, you've done that. I've done it, yeah. For high school stuff. Yep. And, or whatever events, right? Yep. So he was still feeling really crappy and Swangle's like, hey, I'm going to go get a, I'm going to go get a drink. Do you want me to get one for you? So he comes back. No, thank you. To this, his, the, the guy he was working with and gave him a Coke and a, and a paper cut cup. So he had a sip of it and then kind of put it on the, the cup on the wheel of the, the, of the truck. Yep. And, Within 
15 minutes, he had severe abdominal pain and nausea and violently vomiting behind the, the, the rig. When he went back to get his drink because he's like, oh, I feel sick. I guess this bug hasn't passed. The cup was gone. So clearly, you know, wow. someone removed it. Yeah. He went home and couldn't get out of bed for three days. He was that sick. September 27th, 12 days after that um, initial illness that everybody had, he was uh, being teased by the crew because he was being assigned as a backup ambulance. So he was really pissed off that he wasn't like going to be going to all the crazy memory. first calls. Yeah. yeah. And so he was infuriated. Like he was pissed. Later that day, he offered to go get everybody some pop. He's like, oh, I'm going to go get a pop. Do you guys want any? So the trigger you see happened earlier yeah, in the day. Yeah. And then he's like, it passes. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go get some drinks. You guys want any? So one of the the paramedics, his name was Greg Myers, um, asked for a 7-Up. When Swango came back, he gave him the can, but the can was opened. And Myers saw him go off to the machine to get the pop. Right. Then he saw him take a detour into the bathroom. And then when he came out of the bathroom, the can was opened. And he said, what, did you piss in my pop? And uh, Swango said, no, no, I opened by accident. And I was feeling kind of thirsty. So I just drank some. I hope you don't mind. And Myers is like, yeah, whatever. And so he poured the pop into, um, you know, like a, pl- a plastic glass with ice. So um, he was just going to drink it. Within minutes, he was very ill. Myers' girlfriend, who also worked at the hospital, stopped by to see you know, just to say hi. Right. And she saw Swango as she passed by. There was a kitchen on the way to see him pouring out a drink. So, you know, he was in broad daylight. He's going to put poison into into a bathroom, opens it up, says nonchalantly, I had a sip, I hope you don't mind. And then he's also seen, seen pouring. And you think, well, why would someone remember that? But I guess you do. You're just like, you walk by and you say. Wait a second. Yeah. You, you know, you just see someone in the, you know, you're just walking by. In, and per, per, in your peripheral vision. Yeah. You're like, wait. Oh, okay. Um, so he went home and Swango called him and asked him details about his illness. Now, have people started to realize now? Okay. okay so okay. you're starting. So it's getting, yeah. it's getting to that. I know this is dragging out, but it, it's just, I want to, I'm trying to point out the ridiculousness of how far. He just went. It was he was able to go, and yeah. how cocky this yeah. guy got. So, My, so now Myers was suspicious that Swango was poisoning him, and that other stuff was going on. In fact, the staff now all started talking to each other and comparing notes. On October twelfth, Swango made some iced tea, and then he left for a call. So we put him in a in a big jug in the fridge. Now, no one there liked sugar in their iced tea. They just liked it. Sweet tea. Like like us, though. We just always have sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like normal. What are you talking about? What is this sweet tea Why? crap? Sweet tea, isn't it always sweet? But apparently not. <laughs> um, so two of the paramedics poured some and they tasted it. And they're like, why is it so sweet? And so then they ended up pouring it out. Knowing what happened to the other people, they were just like, forget it. This doesn't taste it's right. not happening. We're not, we're not going to. We're just getting rid of it. Um, when Swingle came back, he went straight to the fridge and poured out the jug of tea. Later that afternoon, Swango went out on an ambulance run and left his duffel bag behind and it was opened. And what fell out of the bag was um, two boxes of rat poison uh, in a bag that uh, was from a hardware store. Right. And no, sorry, it wasn't rat poison. It was ant poisoning. I don't know if I said rat poison. You said rat. Yeah. yeah it's no, okay. it was ant poisoning. And so, and one of the bottles was empty. So one was full. One was empty. 
So the main ingredient in ant poison or this brand is arsenic. So how do you think you get the ants attracted to the arsenic? Right. Something sweet. Right. Sugar. So that's why their iced tea would taste sweet. Right, exactly. Because he's put the shit in it and it's it's mixed with sugar or a sugar type substance. So they're like, fuck, we've been poisoned with arsenic. We got to call the police. So they went immediately to um, look it up. What are the symptoms of arsenic poisoning? Violent vomiting, stomach cramps, and severe headaches, among others. So they're like, shit, this guy's poisoning us. But you see, he's he's doing this at different shifts with different people. He's spreading it out. Yeah, yeah. He's you know, and then you know, and you, I guess the thing is too, you don't think, oh my god, someone's poisoning me, especially somebody you work with. And shit happens, right? Like you can get a bad bat- batch of donuts, I suppose. Anyway, uh, he decided. <laughs> I would never want to think of bad donuts. No, donuts never are bad so donuts. good. And um, they're deep fried. Can they be bad? No. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Now, I think if they put the icing on afterwards, maybe it can. Yeah, that's true. With some raw chicken. Boston cream, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, he. <clears throat> so they decided to put a plan together to try to catch him in the act. Uh, they put out some fake calls that they would all go to. And that he wouldn't go to? No. Yeah. It would be like, oh, yeah, we've got a call that we have to go to and that he would be left at the station. And nothing happened. He didn't do anything suspicious. But later that week, October 19th, um, Myers, who got sick, brewed up a big pot of decoy iced tea and didn't put anything in it. So when Myers and his um, partner at the time, his name was Bennett, uh, poured iced tea into their cups, they tasted it and it was sugary. So they know. So they're like, ha. They took the iced tea and poured it into a plastic container and put it in their locker. Right. They came back after the weekend and they wanted to have it tested. So they talked to the people at the hospital and said, you know, can I send this off to the lab? They said, well, we can't test for arsenic per se, but we can test for heavy metals. And arsenic is a heavy metal. Right. came back positive. So then this was forwarded to um a sample was sent to the adams county coroner wayne john who then sent it to the illinois bureau of investigation crime lab and it came back positive for arsenic then they took hair and fingernail samples of these guys and it came past back positive for arsenic so so they were being poisoned and he had poisoned every single like the donuts all of it right so they took this evidence to the adams county health department and met with gene Mann, who was the director of the health department he called the police immediately swango became suspicious that the paramedics were having closed door meetings with this director and so he's like what's going on why am i not in these meetings it's like because you're poisoning us you motherfucker yeah so on october the 26th swango got a call by the adams county sheriff's department to ask us to to drop by so he was arrogant enough to ask for the coroner's job BetterHelp is a service that I am proud to endorse. I have PTSD, and for many years and early on, I didn't know where to turn. Back in the day, there wasn't a service like this, and I'm pretty sure that it's one I would have used. You can talk to a licensed professional counselor in the safety of your own home, privately, confidentially, and secured online. You can talk to your counselor on a face-to-face video session, on the phone, text, or chat. They have specialized counselors in depression, 
anxiety, relationships, grief, self-esteem, family conflict, LGBT matters, and many others. Everything is confidential. There are 3,000 licensed therapists in the U.S. and available worldwide. And financial aid is available for those who qualify. STAT listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code STAT. So just go to betterhelp.com slash STAT. Let's get back to the show. He went to the corner and said, I want your job. And they're like, no. So they called and said, hey, come, come talk to us about this job. So that's why he went there willingly. Okay, that's smart. Got it. And when he got there, he was arrested. His rights were read and he was charged with battery. He asked for a lawyer right away and refused to talk. Um, but weirdly, he gave permission for his apartment to be searched. So I'm not going to talk, but you can go search my apartment. The place was a disgusting mess. And it was like a mad scientist poison lab. There were there was a large book on the a shelf that was, you know, like a centerpiece that was surrounded by vials, needles, and bottles. Um, and the book was called The Poor Man's James Bond, which is a paramilitary book. Um, and it says, like, to be used for your own personal mayhem. And included uh, info on improvised do-it-yourself weaponry. So among other ways of, of killing people. So this is what the police report said. And I think it's better just to read a part of the report to give you right, a picture yeah. of what they found. Quote, an entire mini lab was set up. Detectives found numerous chemicals, suspected poisons and poisonous compounds. Underground type magazines were observed that gave technical info on exotic poisons. There were handwritten recipes for poisons and poisonous compounds for ricin, botulin, nicotine, supersaturated cyanide, and this one called fluoroacetate acid, which is a pesticide. Right. The detectives also observed numerous newspapers and various scrapbooks, etc., um, that we talked about before. Yeah. And the suspect appears to have been collecting info on disasters, car accidents, and even newspaper clippings in regards to the Tylenol poisoning murders that had taken place in Chicago area. The police seized all of his evidence. So, sorry, that end of quote. The police seized all the evidence along with a small, small arsenal of weapons. A Mossberg 12-gauge pump, um, pump shotgun with a combat stock, a Lama 357 Magnum revolver, a Raven 25 automatic handgun, and two large K-bar survival knives. So he had a poison lab and, and all these weapons. All these weapons. He wouldn't talk to the police. But he's like, yeah, you can search my apartment. Yeah, go check that shit out. I got tons of poison in there. I got some weapons. Oh, and they also found um, uh, a, ceremo a ceremonial witch's spell book, handwritten spells, incantations, and a bag <coughs> of stones with glyphs on them. And there were books on, um, uh, like tons of books on uh, medical serial killers. <laughs> so either he was like mocking them and going, yeah, go ahead. You know, <laughs> look. What are you going to get me on? Or he really didn't think there was nothing that they could get him. Like, that would be weird or unusual. Like, so you can't, you can't pin this on me. Just because I have it at my house doesn't mean I did anything. I'm really interested. Okay. So so this is a medical doctor, now with a license, who had killed a shit ton, poisoned people, and now they find this evidence in his house. So he's arrested and he goes to jail. Well, he was he went to jail. He was arrested. Then he was put out, uh, um, released on a $5,000 bond that his mother 
put out for him. So he went home that day. So he's got a criminal record now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he can't get a medical license. No, sorry, he's... I'm going way ahead. No, he has his medical. But license. he would have lost it. Well, let's. I've got some more to tell you about. Oh no! So this is the investigation. The Ohio State University has its own police department. That's how big it is. Right. It's the size of like what a mid-sized city has. It's bigger than that. Which is crazy, yeah. So there's a police chief there by the name of uh, Peter Hurt. And he reported to the university's vice president. And the only reason, like this guy was um, a serious cop. I believe he worked on, um, anyway, uh, Patty Hurst, like major case. Right. And he's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be chief of police here unless you give me full access to do any kind of investigations I want. So they're like, yeah, no problem. And so why am I talking about this? It's because the Columbus police want were trying to investigate what Swango did. Right. They knew that he went to the um, University of Ohio. They were trying to get his records. Well... Hurt didn't know anything about it to this point. So I just wanted to give a little bit of background that this is a great cop that got a job there at a huge police force that is made just for the university that's autonomous from everything else. And one of his um, officers uh, by the name of Anderson was assigned to help the Columbus police get his records. Um, So they're thinking, you know, what's the big deal trying to, to get his records? Well, guess what? The university said, we no. lost them. Oh, they said no. No, they said no because it will give away, it will interfere with confidentiality of the patients that were involved. Um, they, okay. Okay. So the university, so the university is not cooperating. Hurt doesn't know about this yet. Okay. So this is where all even further the bureaucracy and bullshit begins. Carrie. The one doctor right. called Zagurnus, the son of a bitch head honcho guy that yes. covered him up to begin with. Yes. Remember him? Yep. He calls him and he, he um, immediately consults with the university VP, Richard Jackson, and the attorney that was involved before, Alphonse, I think it's Ch- uh, Cincioni. And they said they also got a public affairs person involved this time too. And they went into cover up mode. Uh, they were afraid the bad press would uh, affect uh, their them getting money. They expressed uh, express concerns about patient confidentiality, which you know had nothing to do with it. Nothing but that was their ace it. in the hole, yes, right? Yes, of course. The assistant attorney general, Holder, got involved and ordered that no files would go to the police and that they would be locked up in a restricted area. Do you know what that restricted area was? It's a Gernis's office. Wow. So they said, nope, can't have his can't have his files. So they're completely now obstructing justice. And nobody's doing anything. No. So what money they won't buy, eh? Yeah. So the, the doctors that were involved with him as a coworker or as a professor were like, the police are just out to get us. Bastards. And so they wouldn't cooperate with the police either. So it wasn't just the higher ups when they tried to investigate through um, the professors that worked with him, right? And with coworkers, they're like, "No, you cops, you're just out to get us. What do you know that they, they we're not they, giving they you looked, anything?" They looked their noses like they were below them, and so that this is what they did. So they went into boys' club shutdown mode. Of course, okay, we're getting there. 
getting we're getting to the end. <laughs> is this going to piss me off? Oh well, yeah, for sure. So the person that hired um ended up hiring and being over overlook looking the chief of police. His name was Charles Gams. He was the university administrator that oversaw the police department. And he, he ultimately said to him with the VP, you have full reign. Well, he didn't know about any of this going on because it was assigned to an officer. Why right. would the chief of police know about a case that was as simple as, oh, we're just looking into a case here. Can you, we just need some records here. Yeah. They didn't know he had killed people. And- no, no. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so excuse me. Before this even happened, the assistant general uh, uh, attorney, um, attorney general, went to Charles uh, Gams and said, shut this down. Okay. So Gams called up the chief of police, Hurt, and Hurt's like, what's this about? I don't know anything about this. Yeah. And, but then he's like, why aren't you helping the, the Columbus police? Like, what's the big deal? And this is when he found out about what had happened on the ninth floor. Okay. He's like, you're telling me. That you're not going to help or give any information when he's now involved in attempted poisonings or poisonings. Or attempted, yeah, yeah. You're not going to tell them that he almost murdered or maybe murdered five people. You need to give that information to the Columbus Police Department. The university administrator's saying, no fucking way. We're not doing that. So So now he knows... So, so they know now, okay, this is what happened. He knows that this is like, this is what the records are going to expose. Yeah. But he's saying, nope. Yeah. Sorry. No, Hurt is saying, give me the records yes, to pass saying, on. And Gams is saying, no, we're not. And this is why he said, because there's no proof that he actually did anything. There's no criminal case here. Okay. But there's a, susp- a suspicion of. Oh, but nothing was proven. He said that, um. Uh, Gam said to Hurt that they didn't need any outside investigators, that they already had a doctor investigate this to begin with and nothing was discovered. Um, And he said there was no need and no point to, uh, uh, because there was no crime committed and no need to investigate. That's it. Hurt, drop it. That's the end of it. Hurt, chief, was shocked that he, this hadn't been going on. It was covered up and that he had been completely stonewalled to even take this any further. Um, And basically the case was stalled completely. But was he pissed off enough to see when you when you say this, I'm all like, okay, well, I want to ask you 10,000 questions. But yeah, was he uh, like he, he didn't let this go. Hurt didn't let this go. Well, he could only take it so far, though. He did everything he could to try to get them to cooperate. And he's like, all right, tell you what, I'm just going to let you guys like screw yourself because you're not going to cooperate and you're going to try to cover up here. Eventually, it's going to bite you in the ass. So he told as many people as he could. He took it as far as he could. But he knew that eventually or he was hoping that some of this would get out. Oh, of course. So in the meantime, Swango was arraigned on seven counts of aggravated battery on December 20th and entered a plea of not guilty. Okay, so things get really even more weird here. You ready for this? Yeah. His high school history teacher, you're like, what? What? Why are you going high school history? His high school history teacher, Daniel Cook, taught him, and he loved Swango. He thought he was a really bright student. Uh, You know, he had a huge future ahead of him. He became a lawyer after Swango graduated. Of course, he did, and then ended up becoming Swango's lawyer. Of course, he did in this case. 
What? How does this happen? It's you can't make this shit up. You really can't. No, it's just it's so bizarre. Okay. So Okay, you're going to love this. Days after he's arrested, right? He applies to become an ER doctor. Of course he does. At the National Emergency Service for Northern Ohio. So, it's a service that subcontracts doctors to hospitals. He failed to mention his charges in the trial. He covered up the whole Ohio stuff. He had his medical license. And he was hired. <laughs> so now <laughs> I'm, out on, work- I'm out on bail. Might as well try and apply for a job as a doctor. Yeah. So everyone involved in um, everyone involved in hiring him was re- impressed by his charisma, and they believed all his lies. Of course. So he started working as a doctor while facing felony poisoning charges, aggravated assault. I guess back then they didn't do background checks. Well, they should. Yeah, well, they absolutely should have. There was the AMA. You'd think. There was like ever. But where would they have gotten information from? Because he was all covered up. But still, they should have. But they didn't. They're like, oh, he's charming. He is. He seems fucking fantastic. He's got a great personality and he's a fine looking young man. Yeah. So um, back at to Ohio State, things really started to heat up now. An official for the Ohio State Medical Board tipped off a reporter by the name of Marianne Sharkey, which is a great name for a reporter. Totally. Right? And she was a reporter for a paper called The The Plains Dealer, um, which was circulated then. It was the most popular newspaper in all of Illinois. Right. The officials at the school started to panic. Meetings were held by the higher ups and all of a sudden they were willing to participate fully in the investigation. They said in like, on record, we are going to do everything to report. I mean, we're going to do everything to cooperate. And this came from Gurness and the lawyer. However, the police chief in Columbus reported that the OSU or Ohio State University was blocking the investigation and uh, stopping any information coming out about Swangle being involved in other in, in deaths at the hospital. Even after. Yeah. So Zagurnas denied this and said that they were there were no incidences that took place. No, so he, of course not. Of course, he's like, oh, we're going to fully cooperate, but nothing happened. Um, and Holder, the assistant uh, yes. attorney general, said the files have always been available, even though they were taken and locked up in Zagurnas's office. And don't tell me shit wasn't taken out of those files. Oh, okay. So, and, and all this is going on, Hertz, like, you guys are just screwing around. Now, now Hertz is like, see, I told He's you. He's pissed. Shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. he told enough people that eventually decent people within, outside of the university would start looking into it. So, like, the guy from the, from the, wherever, like what I just said, he reported it to the reporter. And they're like, holy shit. So, on January 31st, the story uh, that the university had tried to cover up, uh, Swango, it broke. Um, and one of the hospitals that Swango was, so the, one of the hospitals that Swango was being subcontracted to, uh, was called Fisher Titus hospital suspended his privileges immediately. Now they're going into shutdown mode. They're like, holy shit, we hired this guy. Yeah. Like we, he's all these things happened and we hired him because he's charming charming. and he's like a fine looking young man. So the doctor that he had worked with, he was the head of the ER had reported him as saying that he was very outgoing and seemed to have great interpersonal skills. And he struck him as a very pleasant young physician 
went, oh my God. What the hell did I do? Exactly. So he, (laughs) Swango had just finished a a 24-hour shift when the news broke. This guy, Dr. Thomas, flipped out, got him suspended immediately and drove to Swango's house to hand him the papers and say, you're done. Um, Swango wasn't home. And in fact, Swango, when this broke, said, uh, thought about running, like he was going to take yeah. off. But his lawyer said, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> so shit was really hitting the fan everywhere. Yeah. So back at the university, I know we're going back and forth a bit, but no. I think this is important shit. Yeah. Okay. So the former Adams County coroner, Wayne Johnson, yep. was furious and reported to the, so now he went to the Plains dealer and he said that the medical school uh, tried to cover up Swango's criminal behavior and misconduct. And furthermore, he was even more infuriated that uh, the, quote, OSU had allowed Swango to return to Quincy and obtain a job in a hospital without anyone being alerted. Uh, more and more reports started to surface about Swango because now that people are coming out and talking yeah. about it, more people are feeling like safer to do it that, okay, if so-and-so and so-and-so is talking, I can say this and that. And, and I won't this. get sued by Swango <clears throat> and I won't get sued by the, or fired by the university and stuff like that. Right. So the university continued to deny anything, everything, sorry. And all of a sudden, so there was the head of the nursing department, uh, Nurse Dixon. She was the one that was being patronized and shut down. And she was bringing all this evidence from the nurses. And they and were like, no, no. The syringe that was found and everything. Um, she's like, uh, now they're going to her and saying, okay, give us all that stuff you said you were going to give us before. And she's like, what are you talking about? You didn't want me to give you any of the nurses' reports or the syringe. Well, they're like, oh, well, we want it now. And so she's like. Years she later. Yeah. So she couldn't give the syringe because they threw it out. Yeah. And so she hands over all the information to them. And now they're chastising her. So now of the course. university's turning on her and saying, well, you know, wh- why didn't we get any of this? So, but she's taking it in strike because she's used to this bullshit happening yep. all the time. And this was in the 80s. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden, now not all of a sudden, but now some of the nursing staff and stuff feel, are feeling comfortable to come forward and talk. Um, and so the vile, <laughs> this, the volatile contents of what they thought was a neat and tidy package had now exploded oh, all yeah. over the place. And they were trying to clean it up as fast as they could. The president of the university didn't know this stuff was going on because the vice president was covering it up. So the president, so just like yeah. how Hurt didn't know. Yep. The, the president of the university didn't know. When he found out, he flipped out. He was like out of his mind angry. Um, And uh, so there was no hiding this anymore. It was just all hitting the fan. So trial for Swangle began on um, April the 22nd, 1985 for seven counts uh, at the Adams County Courthouse. Uh, there was a judge, Judge Cash, uh, Cashman resided. Swangle was so, <laughs> this is when I start to enjoy this yeah. part now. Swango was so arrogant and convinced that he would win the case that he asked the paramedics to testify on his behalf. He thought the people that he poisoned we're going to talk about how great of a guy he was. But about donuts. I made you iced tea. I got yeah. you a soda. I opened it and took a sip. I didn't pee in it, but I poisoned it. Put arsenic in it. Sweet, sweet arsenic. Sweet, sweet arsenic. Can you imagine being that I, out of it? That you're like, yeah, I want, 
called up. He said to his lawyer, "Call up all the paramedics, and they're going to be at what like point the key did, witnesses for his uh, character witnesses." So, or like that. at what point did his lawyer say, "Are you dumb?" <laughs> so, the paramedics were the biggest part of the persecution of the prosecution's case. Yeah, and it was the case was based mostly on circumstantial ev- evidence because they didn't actually see him do right. it, but um, but because. Um, um, although they had the evidence that um, from the iced tea that it was spiked with arsenic, uh, their hair and nail samples, um, you know, contain the, the arsenic, arsenic as well. Yeah. Swango, even though all of this came forward, Swango was shocked that they testified against him. He couldn't believe it. So he's like, I want them to testify for me as a character witness. And, you know, and then they gave their testimony. He's like, what? But I'm such a great guy. Yeah. Um, Judge Cashman felt that all the paramedic statements were compelling and credible. He didn't doubt any of it. No way. He, he There's a, a interview that I watched with him. He said, like, it was so out there, you can't make it up. And he's like, I just found it. No, you, know? you can't. So Swango uh, put a further nail in his coffin and he panicked. Oh, no. I When you laugh a little like that, I'm yeah. like, something fucking... <laughs> give it to me because you see me go from like irate my eyes are bulging out to like what like he's so dumb it's nice sharing being able to do this with you because i actually have an outlet for this like rage when i try to do these episodes before i have to keep it under control but it's good i don't know some you know what guys out there i don't know you you may like this or not like this way of doing it but you know what it's very cathartic (laughs) it is very cathartic this is good so swango panicked (laughs) this is how dumb he is he drove to florida Sure, why not? From from Illinois. Mm -hmm. He drove to Florida because he wasn't, you know, he was going to trial, but he was out on bail. Yep. He got a bunch of red ants and put them in plastic containers, drove them back to Illinois and set them free in his house. Called up his lawyer and said, get here immediately. I have a red ant infestation. This is why I needed to have the, the ant poison. So when they went into his place earlier and they... Looked at his place. There wasn't one ant to be seen. Now he knows he's in trouble because these guys testified against him. And there's an ant investigation. He drove to to Florida, got red ants, put them in his house and infested his own house with it. They took the ants and said, there's no such ants like this in Illinois. They only are in Florida. (laughs) They're not native to this area. So... But he's a doctor. And he's like, I'm gonna gonna outsmart them all. He is a doctor, That's right. Um... And his lawyer was like, you know, head smack. Uh, How do you defend that? How do you defend that? So, on May 3rd, 1985, Judge Cashman ruled that Swengel was guilty of five of seven of the charges of aggravated battery. Cashman uh, said that he was more certain of this case in putting down a guilty sentence than any other case that he ever presided over. The five sentences were to be served concurrently. The maximum stay by the law would allow that that would allow was five years. So he only got five years for doing this. And he was um, let out after two and a half years on good behavior. So on August 1987, he was a free man. Okay. So hang on. What kind of roller coaster ride did I just put you through? You put me on a big roller coaster ride because. From what I know about Swango, so uh, clearly I don't know at all because you're telling me this and I'm learning as you're telling me other than what I've heard Uh on your previous podcast. So this is why I like to go into 
to to such detail about things. Right. I, I like to talk about this inside bureaucracy because people often know about, okay, well, he might have murdered some people at the hospital. Uh, he might have poisoned uh, some uh, co-workers and then moved on and you're going to hear more so. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, the my our listeners are really really smart people our listeners go into detail and a lot of them are really into true crime of so course, they probably yeah. know some of these details but maybe not as de- deep into it so i get excited about this i think that maybe some other people might get excited oh, about course, these details yeah i'm excited i i want but doesn't it, doesn't it piss you off oh, sorry i know i'm cutting you off but doesn't this piss you off about the bureaucracy and bullshit that takes place by the because, higher ups. Yes, because it could have been he could have been arrested years before and charged with murder, as opposed to being charged. What was he charged with? Uh, These uh, five counts of aggravated five assault. counts of aggravated assault, not five counts of previous murder that he committed. Let's just take this. Okay, so what if these paramedics? There's two ways. Okay, you know what ifs or whatever. What ifs? What ifs? What ifs? But if these weren't paramedics, they might not have gone to the hospital. Right. Or because they're paramedics, they just gone home and sucked it up. Which is usually what happens. But you see what I'm saying? Like, so, and when the tests test show that there was enough arsenic to kill somebody. And enough arsenic to so show thank up God in right hair next, and nails. Yeah. And, and that's over a period of time. So here we go that they think, goodness, they were right next to the ER. They were able to get treatments. Oh, and one of, one of the things I didn't bring up, I'm just going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. All of it right now is that they tried to help them stop vomiting. So they thought, oh, they have a bug. Let's give them some gravel and help them not vomit. Well, they got sicker because they weren't getting it exactly. out of their body. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, they they knocked it down as food poisoning. And how? It was food poisoning, just not salmonella. It was oh, actual I, I had salmonella. Poisoning. I know how bad that is. I had salmonella when I was young. And yeah, me it too. It was really bad. Uh, turkey. Bad turkey. You know, I don't want to talk about mine. <laughs> um, okay. I'll tell you. Tell me another time. Tell you another time. I was four. I'll I'll oh, I'll put it there. Okay. I might have hid some stuff under the bed. Tried it later. Bad situation. Oh my god. This this will have to be on a placebo effect. Yeah, it will. Totally. Okay. So um, that's that's uh, it's just insane that you. Think- I can't. I can't wait to hear, because I know that he's in prison now. So I, when you're telling me he got out two and a half years of good behavior, I'm like, well, what the fuck else did he do? There's a lot more. A lot. Lot more um he he gets a lot more i can't wait so this is good because yeah. now i'm i'm fucking in it to win it now so we're <laughs> we're gonna leave off there today um i know this only takes us up to you know when he worked as a paramedic and goes to jail and the next episode i think it might it might be two episodes um we might be able to finish it next one but i don't want to rush it too much no uh but basically he moves on to a couple different states and he even goes and works in africa what a solid guy yeah so you you know that uh it it just gets really bad it gets much worse if you, if you can believe it or as bad as it's been it continues to be just as bad but continue on so um and he, as, as, as he gets better and better, he gets dumber and dumber. So, um, but yeah, uh, that's it. That's, that's the end of today's episode. Um, again, this is a whole different way of doing it. I love it. Thank you for, uh, having me and sharing I, this with me. It's really cool. Oh, I'm really glad to be able to share this with you. And I, I really like, I think I'm just, we're going to continue to do it on this way. Um, it is a change of format, but, um, I just, uh, it's great because I feel I can explain things a bit better as opposed to just reading it uh, from my script. So, um, yeah. And I think too, um, I like the insight that you can give. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah, I like it. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. Before we end today's show, I do want to give some shout outs for um, some reviews we got here. Shout outs. So I want to say these are some iTunes reviews and I want to say thank you to Cass is me. The next one is the lesbian at East Ventura. Then the mad catter. Donna TH. And last but not least from sand group one. You gave us a number. You gave us a one star review and that's okay. That's all right. Confuses me. It says really not sure what you ladies are on. Again, we're not on anything. I don't know how many times I have to say it in one episode. But we're not on anything. But Karen, I got to tell you something. They did give us one star. But guess what? What? A star has five points. Mic drop. <sighs> OMG. Could that have gotten any better? I don't I got to tell you. I had to lean back because I was, I amazed no, myself you, you at that. No, you did. You just like, yeah, you were so proud and you deserved it. Yeah. You know, one stars are never going to bug me again. They they can't because you have to look at it positively. Because like, sometimes I'll say to you, Erica, this, and you're like, Karen, seriously, don't worry about it. You know, um, there's going to be people out there that don't do. like us. Yeah. Yeah. And just, it's all right. And stars have five points. And now I'm like, with every star, I get five, five points. You do. So you're welcome. You just, you did it for so me. So really when we're getting five stars, we're getting 25 stars. Well, 25 points at the very least. And you know okay, what? If you want to look at it like that. Yeah. And 25 and five. Whatever. Points are points. You know what? Points are points. So, so good right. luck giving us a half star. And guess what? We're as much on something today as we were all every episode, which yeah. is zero. Diet Pepsi. Oh, yeah. we Erica had cans. I don't know how many I've had today. Two. Maybe it's the aspartame. Yeah. Maybe we're high on aspartame. That's it. So that's that's about that. And cheese. Okay. Aspartame and cheese. So uh, head on over, please, to our Facebook page, our Facebook group. It's Stat Shocking Traumas and Treatments. I will put something in the show notes. Uh, it's a growing page. The people on there are amazing. You'll have a lot of oh, fun. It's awesome. Uh, you, we are like post away whatever you want as long as it's not offensive and it's a really safe place to be. We do have a Twitter and Instagram, but I kind of not very good at it, and I'm going to try to get better. But we do have those uh, stat and um, also too, if you don't mind heading over to iTunes and giving us a review, it helps get us out there. Uh, and you know, now we know even one star reviews, give us five points. Exactly. And, uh, if you want to go check out our Patreon page and, um, maybe you can, uh, give us a little bit of support to help, uh, with the cost of the show, that would be great. And all support is appreciated. We it love is. you guys. Love you. So, uh, please take care of yourself. Take care of one another and, uh, be kind and rewind. That's right. Peace. Peace. One love. True crime and it gets none realer. Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill you. Gotta watch out. Yeah, you gotta watch your back. Cause you don't want to be another episode on stat. Thank you for tuning in. Learn a thing or two. These medical mysteries can be unbelievable. Yeah. Subscribe. Make sure you do that. So you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show. Stat.